Hello, I'm Mercedes Stevenson, and you're listening to The West Block. While blockades, protests, and demonstrations continue to pop up across the country and in some places go on for days and days, everywhere from the Windsor Bridge to the Pacific Crossing at the border in B.C. to, of course, right here in downtown Ottawa, folks have been living with these protests, which have now become a major state of emergency here in the province of Ontario. Joining us to talk about this is Minister Bill Blair, who is, of course, the Minister for Emergency Preparedness for the federal government. Nice to to see you, Minister Blair. Morning, Mercedes. Sir, what do you make of what's happening in the country right now? Well, you know, I think we, we, we see in part in, in these protests the, the frustration that everyone feels um, with this pandemic, and, and I think we're all anxious to see it end. But, but I think it's also very clear that there is there are people within that protest and organizing their response who are clearly trying to do as much harm as possible to the country. You know, we, we see it evidenced in, in, in the chaos that has existed in the city of Ottawa, but most particularly the, the targeting of critical infrastructure, in particular some of our most important border uh, entry points, cutting off the flow of trades and goods, which is idling thousands of workers, you know, costing the Canadian economy an enormous amount of money. And, 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 and clearly their intent is to cause as much harm to Canada and to Canadians as possible. And so we now have a situation where it's clearly a very significant and serious public order event, and we all need the police to do their job. And, and to that end, we've been working to make sure they have the resources and the tools that they need to do it. But ultimately, it comes down to the police need to restore order to enforce the law and, 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 and to open up those points of entry and to restore public safety in, in the city of Ottawa. We've seen some evidence, by the way, Mercedes, even this morning, where you know over the past 24 hours, the OPP-led police contingent in, in Windsor has been moving, I think, very purposely and, and carefully, proportional to, to, to the situation, but have now begun to make arrests, open up, up that border. And that's exactly what we need to, the police to do in this country, to restore order to, and to uphold the law. Do you think that the Ottawa police have failed to do their job? And if so, why do you think that's happening? Well, I think that there'll be a great deal of reflection at the end as to, to why the situation has evolved the way it has in the city of Ottawa. But I was much encouraged this week, first of all, by the establishment of an integrated command team, where now the OPP and the RCMP have joined at the, at the command table with the OPS um, in order to, to bring order and to enforce the law at, at, at this event. We've also been working to make sure that we bring as many police resources as are required to do the job here. But ultimately, it comes down to the police have to, to, to enforce the law and, and to, to do their job. We're making sure that they've got the tools and resources to do it. And, and you know, we're all very hopeful that they'll be able to, to bring the situation under control, utilizing the tools and resources that have been made available to them. What is your government's plan to deal with this? Because the situation in Ottawa, pardon me, is obviously quite entrenched, but it's clear that this is not unique to Ottawa or unique to Ontario. It's becoming an issue at border crossings across the country. The Prime Minister has said everything is on the table, all options are on the table. What does that mean for the federal government who has a responsibility to protect critical infrastructure? Yeah, all three orders of government have, have responsibilities here, including, of course, the federal government. And you're right, Mike. Mike particular concern is the threat that these protests represent to critical infrastructure in these countries, particularly our border crossings, but other aspects of critical infrastructure, transportation, manufacturing, um, even the delivery of, of foodstuffs and pharmaceuticals to our shelves that Canadians need every single day is being threatened by the activities, the criminal activities of the people engaged in these blockades. And, and so 
we've been working very closely with our provincial partners, first of all, because, and, and we saw evidence of, of the success of that. You know, we've been working very, I know the Prime Minister and the Premier have spoken a number of times, as have, have ministerial counterparts, on, on what the province and, and the federal government need to do together. Very, very pleased with the, the, the decision that was made in Ontario to declare an emergency and to enact important regulations. Um, we've also been working to make sure that our law enforcement agencies have the tools they need. But, Mercedes, I want to assure Canadians, we rec I recognize the threat, and I, my government does, that these blockades in particular hold for all Canadians. We, we saw now blockades taking place in British Columbia, in Alberta, um, Manitoba, and, and, and in Ontario. Um, we need the police to do their job, and we have to make sure that they're there, but we, we also are prepared to use whatever legislative and resource tools. And, and what I mean by that is every federal resource um, is w w will be considered in order to protect critical infrastructure and to keep Canadians safe. The police have an important job to do, but there are other jobs are, that also need to be done, and we'll make sure they get done. Are, are you prepared to invoke the Emergencies Act? Certainly, I will tell you, the Emergencies Act has been under very fulsome consideration right from the first day as, as to what needs to be done. But the, the Emergencies Act, the Federal Emergencies Act, is really contingent upon the, the provinces exhausting their authorities um, and, and turning to us and saying we need more. And that's why the conversations with the provinces have been so important. Um, and, and, and we saw on Friday, the province of Ontario has now, I think, gone all in. And, and I'm very, very grateful for the work that they've done to make those tools available We'll see, see if their effectiveness is sufficient to bring bring the situation in Ontario under control. We're also looking really carefully on what's what's happening. You know, the, the people who are behind these blockades, you know, are clearly trying to disperse police resources and challenge us at, at in other provinces, provincial jurisdictions. That's why the, that collaboration between the provinces and territories is so important. And and you know, policing is such a local thing in, in this country. We see it even in the municipality. We've been working with the mayor. We've been working with Ottawa City Council. Bringing the province to the table, bringing bringing our resources to the table, like everybody's got a job to do here and a responsibility. But uh, but I want to to assure you that that we recognize that the threat to 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 Canada, to Canadians, to our livelihoods and to our prosperity that these protests represent. This isn't about vaccines anymore. This is this is something else, and 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 is deeply concerning. Can, can we I ask need you the what, police to do their job? What you think it's about then? If you if you because they're saying it is about vaccines. When we're out in the street talking to people, that's the feedback I'm hearing from people who are protesting. What do you think it's really about then? Well, I, I'm not sure why what what cutting off uh, essential supplies and and goods to Canadians. Um, has to do with vaccines. You know, I, I think there's an acknowledgement. I get everybody's frustrated and we want to see this come to an end, but it is clear the intent of, 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 of these blockades in particular is, is to harm Canadians and to harm, harm the country. And, and that doesn't have anything to do with vaccines. And, and I think we all have to recognize that, you know, the, the harm that is being caused by these individuals, and it's not about people's frustration with the pandemic. The vaccine mandates that were put in place were put in place to protect Canadians, and we're not through this pandemic yet. And so we're going to continue to do the things that are necessary to protect Canadians. And at the same time, you know, we're all working very hard to get make sure that vaccines are available, that we, we do all of the things that are necessary to keep Canadians safe. But, but uh, you know, idling thousands of workers in Ontario at our auto plants, cutting off the supply of, of produce and everything else, that the intent of that is not, uh, you know, uh, to express frustration with, with vaccine mandates. The intent of that is to harm the country, and it needs to stop. And we need the police to do their job 
in order to stop it. When you look at the political situation here, you're a former police officer, so you know the police can clear one bridge and people can go to another. They can clear one protest and it pops up somewhere else. There is very much a strong political undercurrent to this, whether it's the people who are out protesting because they're upset with the vaccine mandates or whether it's the people who've signed off on the memorandum of understanding that says they want to overthrow your government and install a citizens committee. There's, there's a wide range of, of political expression here. Your government has been criticized by members of your own caucus, including by Joel Lightbound, uh, who is, of course, a liberal MP. He said earlier this week that he couldn't help but notice with regret both the tone and policies of my government changed drastically on the eve and during the last election. A decision was made to wedge and divide and to stigmatize. Do you fear that by the way you're talking about these protests and the refusal to listen, the refusal to meet with anybody who's involved with them, that you're potentially creating a, a greater wedge and divide that is further polarizing people and potentially opening them up to radicalization? Mercedes, we're completely open to discussions with Canadians about the health measures that are necessary and that we've implemented in order to keep Canadians safe. We're not prepared to negotiate the overthrow of the government. And, and, and quite no, frankly, but, but to, some the of tone on this, perhaps not not to actually capitulate the government, of course. Well, well listen, I, I, I think I think that like, from the beginning, there's been an acknowledgement that we have to be there to support Canadians through the pandemic. You know, we've been there with financial supports for families and for businesses. We've, we've implemented a Herculean effort to procure vaccines and personal protective equipment. We've been working very hard to protect Canadians. And we understand that there's a, there is a segment of society that, that doesn't believe in the science and doesn't accept, you know, the importance of vaccines. But that doesn't mean, mean the science isn't true and that, and that we don't have to continue to do all of the things that are necessary. We I'm so sorry yeah, please, Mark. to Mark. cut you off We're out of time. We're very tight today. My sincere apologies for cutting you off. Thank you for joining us. I think still lots of questions about the government's tone to come. We'll be back with those. Thanks for making time. On Monday, Alberta students no longer need to wear a mask at school. That follows last week's decision to scrap the vaccine passport program in Alberta. Even more restrictions will be lifted on March 1st. Critics say the province is moving too fast and point to last fall's COVID surge that came after the province opened up for the summer. Joining me now is Alberta Premier Jason Kenney. Premier Kenney, nice to see you. Good to be here, Mercedes. You've made the decision to lift restrictions in the province. Some are saying it's too much too fast and it's being driven by a political agenda and not science. What is your response to those criticisms? Mercedes, these damaging restrictions should only be in place uh, when absolutely necessary. These restrictions have caused widespread uh, damage to people's mental and emotional health, particularly for kids and adolescents, which is why our first step was basically to lift all measures on kids. After two years, enough. A 10-year-old, 20% of a 10-year-old's life has been interrupted uh, by COVID restrictions. So it's time to start carefully and gradually getting life back to normal. We'll only move to broader reopening um, within about th three weeks if we see a continued trend downward on hospitalizations. But Mercedes, countries and jurisdictions all around the world are moving in the same direction for the same reasons. Most of Scandinavia, much of Europe, blue states in the US, Canadian provinces, because we see the data and we have to learn to live with COVID. I have to ask you, because we've seen those involved in the truck convoys claiming victory for this, saying it is their protests that have led to this decision. Have those demonstrations had any effect in your decision making on when to lift the restrictions? 
No, absolutely not. In fact, their demand wasn't uh, that we have a gradual approach uh, and maintain some public health measures uh, as uh, we watch hospitalizations. Their irresponsible demand, as I understand it, has been to eliminate all measures immediately, which we think would be imprudent. Uh, we are not, but on the other side of this, we're not going to allow uh, 40 guys with trucks at the Coots border crossing uh, to prevent us from moving forward in a prudent way to get life back to normal. Um, so, in fact, uh, I, I once again call on uh, those involved in that and other border crossing uh, obstructions to get out of the way. They've made their point. They're breaking the law. They're creating a public safety hazard. Uh, and we fully expect the police to use all of the tools at their disposal uh, to ensure uh, enforcement of the law to restore public safety and order. One of your former cabinet colleagues uh, and a fellow Albertan, Pierre Polyev, is running for the Conservative leadership. He came out in an interview and said, quote, I'm proud of the truck truckers and says that uh, they are essentially doing the right thing. You're here criticizing them. As a former federal conservative, when you look at how the National Party is handling this, are you concerned? And do you find Mr. Polyev's comments acceptable? Well, I think like many Canadians, I actually have a certain degree of sympathy with what some, what some of the protesters are saying. I, I am strongly opposed to the pointless federal vaccine mandate on cross-border truckers. It's not doing any benefit for public health. It was an unnecessary provocation, further uh, impairs our supply lines, our supply chains. Um, but I understand the wide frustration with public health restrictions. People are right after two years to be frustrated with that. On the other hand, we can never condone law-breaking behavior. Uh, either we believe in the rule of law or we don't. And you cannot apply that selectively based on the nature of a protest or where people come from on the political spectrum. So uh, I, I tell you, one, I think one of the key principles of being a conservative is to believe uh, in the rule of law and law and order. Uh, and that's why uh, we've made it very clear to the police here in Alberta, we ex expect full enforcement of the law. In fact, we've given them additional tools with the Alberta uh, de so Defense of Critical Infrastructure Act, which we expect them to use. Premier, does that mean that you, you disagree with Mr. Polyev's position? Do you think it's responsible? Well, I, I will never praise people who are out there breaking the law, creating public safety hazards, uh, and I don't think anybody in elected office should do that. I also want to ask you about the decision to get rid of the vaccine passport. Some are raising concerns that this could deter people from getting vaccinated. And sure, people who are vaccinated can still get COVID, absolutely, but they don't get as sick with it. Are you worried that this is going to send a message to people that vaccination isn't necessary, that it wasn't a public health measure, and that those who might otherwise get vaccinated now don't feel that that's something they're going to need to do as much because there's not some sort of situation that makes life more difficult? which, yes, has been very divisive, but in some provinces has been quite effective in getting people to become vaccinated. Well, since we brought that program in in September, we saw our uh, first dose vaccination rate go from 78 now to 90% for adults and from 68 to 87% second dose coverage amongst adults. And frankly, it's been basically frozen for the better part of two months. Um, so, you know, we continue to encourage people to get vaccinated, to get their third shot. Uh, that's the best way to protect themselves and our healthcare system from hospitalizations. But at the end of the day, Mercedes, in this province, it looks like 10% of the of adults have not gotten vaccinated, are very unlikely to do so. And I don't think we can live in a, in a society where we kind of per stigmatize 10% of our population based on, and, and here's the thing, those vaccine, uh, proof of vaccination programs made sense in the fall 
when people who were uh, unvaccinated were at, were at a higher risk of infection and transmission. That is no longer the case because of the transmissibility of Omicron. But they still the get sicker from it if they get it. It, statistically, severe, people yeah, yeah. who are unvaccinated uh, with, get sicker than those who aren't. Absolutely. The vaccines are hugely protective against severe outcomes, including hospitalization and death. But the point of the vaccine proof of vaccination programs was to reduce transmission. There is no uh, statistical difference now in the uh, chances of transmission between vaccinated and unvaccinated people. So there is no longer a compelling rationale to maintain a policy of that nature, which was proving to be very divisive. Are you prepared to say that you will never bring back COVID restrictions? Is that the message here? Because we've seen them lift and come in before. It sounds like you're being much more categoric now that, that this is over and no matter what, Alberta is going to move forward on this path. I think there is a very good reason to believe that Omicron could be the beginning of the end of COVID. And the last thing I ever want to do is have to be put in a position where we have to bring in restrictions to protect the healthcare system. All governments in Canada, including ours, need to do everything possible to expand uh, healthcare capacity, particularly in intensive care. Now, having said all of that, uh, I mean, the last thing I ever want to do is to have to come back to restrictions. We don't have a crystal ball. We can't say with 100% certainty whether a far more severe variant might come at us in the future. But, but based on the history of contagious respiratory diseases like this, that would seem highly unlikely. If we look at the Spanish flu experience 1918 to 1920, obviously it moved to, to endemicity as population immunity grew and the variants became less severe. I think we have every reason to believe that's the case with COVID. One last question for you on the trucker protest. Do you think that federal and provincial governments should be sitting down with the demonstrators to talk to them? Well, frankly, no. I don't think you governments, elected governments, should get into a position where they're held hostage by uh, uh, groups that are uh, breaking the law and hurting others and, and, and violating the rights of others. Uh, I think that uh, these folks have made their point and they can continue to make their point in lawful and peaceful ways without disrupting the economy, the lives of others, creating public safety hazards. Uh, I think it's uh, long past overdue for enforcement. Premier Kenny, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. People in this country stand in solidarity with what they're doing and for the freedom movement that they're leading. The convoy protests have captured the attention and support of Fox News hosts and prominent conservative politicians from former President Donald Trump to Texas Senator Ted Cruz. To understand what's driving that support and what it all means for the future here in Canada, I'm joined by Dean Alexander. He's director of the Homeland Security Research Program at Western Illinois University. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Alexander. Canadians are watching with great interest as this unfolds. Clearly, so too are some American politicians and prominent media figures on the right. Why would the Americans be so interested in, in what's going on in Canada? And where are their political interests in so overtly supporting this? Well, besides, thank you for having me, besides uh, Canada being a strategic uh, political, military and economic uh, partner, um, the, the fact that as a neighbor, they are facing similar challenges with the pandemic. You have uh, groups uh, within society that, that have uh, concerns regarding vaccine mandates, masking, different regulations. So uh, folks in the United States, uh, politicians and otherwise, see the uh, quote-unquote freedom convoy as an opportunity perhaps to, to leverage uh, forces in the United States and Canada and elsewhere and have that uh, antipathy against 
uh, current government here in the United States as well as in, in Canada. You study homeland security. This is a very divisive issue, the convoy protests up here in Canada. Some say it is purely people fed up with the mandates who are trying to make their points. Others say there are explicit memorandums of understanding and calls to overthrow the Canadian government. As an expert researcher, do you believe a movement like this one, these kinds of convoy protests, pose a threat to democracy, or do you think that they're simply protests? Well, I, I think within these protests, you probably have a, you have a variance of individuals. Some are, you know, peaceful, maybe concerned about the mandates, vaccine or otherwise. You have others, uh, instigators, uh, extremists of various uh, ilks uh, that are trying to sow dissension and uh, possible violence. And objectively, when you have um, protests that lead to the fact that are either violent, threat of violence, or interfere with basic uh, commerce infrastructure, basic society, then it's uh, problematic and potentially has the, the opportunity to uh, undermine uh, civil society and uh, democracies. Where do these protests go? Because we know there's calls for the police to jump in and address them more quickly, but it seems like one goes away or, or, or goes down a little bit and another one just pops up. Well, we've seen, uh, unfortunately, internationally already some quote-unquote copycat uh, freedom convoys, whether in the United States or in, in Europe, uh, in Australia, New Zealand, et cetera. And uh, at least in those countries, there's a little bit of leeway and, and lead time where law enforcement, intel community can, can plan accordingly uh, regarding that. Uh, how this will quote-unquote end uh, depends on many factors, uh, the role of the government, the, the role of uh, leadership within these uh, quote-unquote dissident uh, movements uh, as relevant or protesters, how they, they're also in part how this ends. So if they want to uh, be adamant in their perspectives and utilize violence and, and not comply or comport with the requests of government, then it could be uh, quite problematic. How should politicians deal with this? Well, I, ideally, uh, it should be done uh, prior to, to having this large uh, presence and, and uh, freezing of, of commerce and otherwise. Uh, at this point, it's, um, it, it's a melding of uh, different uh, social, social skills, uh, melding of, of different uh, perspectives, give and take. And again, uh, part of the issue is with uh, the, the opposing party. It's same thing with peace agreements. You can have peace agreements uh, dependent on uh, both parties. If one party is not interested, in a specific outcome, then there's a problem. Dr. Alexander, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate your expertise. That's our show for today. For the West Block, I'm Mercedes Stevenson.